Check, 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 diary listeners. I was just doing a sound check real quick before we go into today's or this week's message. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. y'all this week. I'm calling this diary diary entry. Excuse me there. I am well pleased. Now, before I really talk about why I'm calling it that, let me first say that it, it really doesn't, it really doesn't talk about where I'm at with my life right now. Um, as you all well know, if you've been keeping up with the podcast recently, I decided to make this more of a personal diary entry. I don't know why I can't say that right now. Diary entry. And I did so for a lot of reasons, but mostly I, I think that it's important for me to pause right now and kind of figure out what's next. I've been really searching guys, like this this week at church, I cried a lot. I cried a lot. And it's been a conflict because I just don't feel like I can move forward right now. I, I have so many ideas in my mind about how I can move forward. But the biggest thing that I really want to make sure of now is that I move forward in a direction that I know is glorifying God. And when I say that, what I mean is what I think I've always wanted. I've always, I've always wanted to do really cool things with really cool people. I've always wanted love and purpose and connection and peace and I've always wanted to I don't know share this life and all the beauty that I see in it with other people and I think the biggest thing is I really I really just want to uplift people I've always wanted to help bring people to their own betterment, including myself, because that's been a mission of mine. I've always sought betterment. I've always strove to do my best in this life. But right now it's so weird because it's a different kind of work. I'm not working right now. Like I'm, I'm actively not working. It's the weirdest freaking thing because I, I, I just don't think I can. Like I'm, I'm waiting for answers about what to move next into. I Like I've shown you guys a few times, I'm really digging wood carving. I have an immensely talented family. There's lots of abundance around me. In this particular time of life, Rico has been such a, a paragon of a boyfriend. He really has been. He 
is really working his tail off, uh, providing for our little family. And we, you know, he keeps the bills paid and, you know, he really wants to help me find my path moving forward too. It's just so weird because I have people contacting me constantly to get tattooed, but I just, just everything inside of me is saying to wait, wait until you understand it, wait until it makes sense. And I'm really conflicted about my, my art and how I apply it. You know, I always wanted to do my art for a living. I've told you guys this, guys this from the beginning. Um, tattooing was an avenue to that. And now I feel like I'm in kind of a, a weird paradigm where the old rules don't work anymore. Uh, to, to call upon a character from the Bible that I think is really reminiscent of how I'm feeling. It's, um, Nicodemus is a big one. He was a Jewish leader at the time, a Pharisee, and he met Christ and had an opportunity to follow him, but he was an older gentleman and his, his whole life up until that point had supported him, his family, everything. And when Jesus came on the spot, he knew in his heart of hearts that he was the Messiah. He knew that he was the son of God. He believed, but to follow Christ in the beginning was super hard for him because it meant, it meant completely dropping his entire life before that and really doing things differently and perhaps having to walk away from family, from friends. During COVID, I had a lot of that happen for me. There was a lot of people who just walked away from me. Like, like, uh, you know, I, I at first took it very personally. I, I was heartbroken. You know, it really, really broke my heart. But now I see it as a as sort of a blessing because I, I think they did me a favor and now I'm kind of happy that as I am what I am as a person, it's just making people leave me or not keep engaging with me. And it's it's been very it's been very interesting being at church around a lot of people with a lot of different views about how to be a good follower of, of God, God's word, um, which, you know, basically is the Bible and being a tattoo artist, I have had to, I've had to reckon with a lot of things that I did in the past and look at it from like a, a very accountable place. And I can't help but feel guilty in a lot of ways. I know I've been, I know I've been saved and I know I've been forgiven, but 
there's a part of me that just can't let go of the influence that I had on people and what dramas I might have started for them in not knowing and being blind and in really, again, always wanting the best for everybody. I never, I never was trying to send anybody off into odd paths, but I can honestly say that I didn't, I didn't have what I have now, which is the understanding of what has really pulled me through this whole life up until this point. You know, I took a lot of self-ownership for these things, and I really, I really strove for those things in my life for a myriad of different reasons that were, I think, a large part about certain traumas I had as a kid. I mean, there's lots of reasons. But I had framed my life in a very particular way and I took a lot of ownership and the, the word that I am actively trying now not to use and the very word that this month in our current timeline celebrates, which is pride. I had a lot of pride. I had a lot of ego and I was rather shameless about it. And you cannot shame the shameless. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. And what I'm feeling right now, as I'm walking into my spiritual life and making more and more of a relationship with God is a lot of shame. A lot of shame and a lot of repentance for how I've lived up to this point. I don't think tattooing is evil. I really don't. But I think it's like anything. I think that it is something that you have to use very well. And you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And lately, I have been really tortured about it because I, I, I know that part of it is the image that you put on a person. Of course, that's very, very potent to the wearer. I feel like I've always tried to put as much, much as myself into that as possible. But I think that I have indulged a lot of people in their own self-pride, their own self, uh, I guess, edification. Is that the right word? I'm not sure if I'm using that correctly, but... And I, I, I can't, I can't entirely blame it because... You know, our American culture, in a lot of ways, speaks to this fierce individuality. And we have, in like, you know, psychological communities, you know, you like, you got to love yourself before you can love anyone else. And, you know, so these things are trumpeted all the time. So I, I really can't overly blame myself, but 
if I, I think I really want some kind of redemption, which by the way, just to park there for a second, one of my favorite aftercare products in tattooing is the product Redemption. It's the one that I've used for over a decade now. And actually, you know, this is like a, you know, unofficial plug. I probably should call the company and see if I can get a sponsorship. I know that I've, I know I've been a, a big part of their sales for a very long time. And it's because I always want my clients to leave with an aftercare ointment. I don't want to leave it up to them to find one. So I always give them one that I know, at least in my experience, I can, I can say is a really great one. I think it's kind of funny that its name is Redemption. Um, but it's my favorite to this day. And I have been the one that has bought it for my clients consistently and given them like a little pad of it or a couple little pads of it as they leave so they can properly hear the, hear, heal their tattoo. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's kind of funny is that, you know, seeking redemption, you know, that kind of tying in with tattooing. Which another segue, um, my friends over that I've actually done a few commercials over here, Black Dagger Books, they put out a whole book uh, for Christ. It's a it's a book on Jesus Christ, and it's all a collection of tattoo artists who focused on Christ and the image of Christ and how that character has been so potent throughout all of history, but such an iconic part of tattoo history that it's undeniable. And so this whole book is, is I think, a bunch of tattoo artists that are celebrating uh, that within their own artwork and taking the time to focus on this main figurehead throughout history. It's a really beautiful book. Um, I, will, I will post an image of it for everyone to see. I ordered it and I really wanted to digest it before I shouted it out, which in the beginning I had some conflict about it, which uh, I believe it was Travis, that one of the creators of Black Dagger Books, um, who told me that it, it, might, it might not settle with me 100% well, just because everybody was going to have their interpretation. And there's definitely, I think when I read the book, I'm like, eh. But I'm happy about it overall, and, and I couldn't be mad. One, of anybody who takes time to create art, but also with such a great focus and such a great tribute um, via artists and specifically tattoo artists. So I just wanted to briefly shout that out. Two awesome uh, items. Redemption Tattoo Aftercare, and then, of course, over at Black Dagger Books, you can get a monthly subscription where they focus on an artist per month, and you can get a book all on that artist and just their works, but specifically, like I said, they did do this big book that's beautiful, it's gorgeous, it actually is covered in cat hair right now because the, the, the front of it is like a fabric, so it, it sticks to a lot of lint and things like that. But it's a gorgeous book. It's very classy and well done, and it contains a lot of beautiful artworks of Christ. So getting back, that's what I'm that's what I'm 
getting to is that I, I can't, I can't create now without feeling some immense obligation to the work and making sure the work calls people to their better selves. And I've always tried to do that, but I did it from a place, I think, of, of my own prideful understandings, my own accomplishments, my own understandings of things. And when COVID hit and when that whole thing washed all over me and I, I really lost a lot of friendships and my heart broke, I finally, I think, got brought to my knees and realized that there is nothing in this world that deserves my faith but God. That everything in this world is destined to end and break and ultimately let me down if I put too much into it. And I know now that God's wants for me in my life are better than anything that I've ever dreamt for myself. I know that now. I don't know what to do next, but I am listening. But it's been very weird because the art, the art is shifting and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in this weird place because I'm analyzing it from a, from a, like a, a very existential thing because I, I know this to be true. I know that you can't make art if you're surviving. You really can't. Any kind of artifact you might make from that place is usually utilitarian. Beautiful bowls. I think the only thing that could be even reminiscent of what you consider to be art from cultures that are in more of a state of survival would be spiritual ritual elements that help them worship again, either gods, nature, or God, um, however they structure it. But yeah, and I think that the reason why tattooing really hasn't been seen as a profession for as long as say like uh hair for example is because i think that it was more spiritually connected to people and i've i've said this before on the podcast but within that it's hard to make it into a business that's what I've been doing for 15, 16 years is that it's been my business. And the way that I have handled people has been from a very business place. In fact, some things I've done just purely because I was like, well, you know, it's not, it's not for me to say how this person should, should live their life or mark themselves. I'm, I'm just an artful person that can deliver this and, you know, what they wear, they have to wear. And I, I put my name on the art and within the connection to the person, but I never really slammed the door on any specific 
any specific, I guess, belief systems or any of that. And I, I still don't because I, I don't think that it's right for me to dictate to people what they should think or feel. But I, I have a lot of... I have a lot of hesitancy right now, folks, because I'm, I'm now Christian. I'm on this path. I'm learning a bunch. And one thing that I have learned is that pride is not something to have. Even God, even God didn't say from the heavens about the one human being on this planet that, that could actually garnish, garnish some kind of sense of, I guess, pridefulness. He didn't even say that about Christ. He said, I am well pleased. Uh, in, in church this week, it was second Peter one chapter one, 17 verse 17 is where he says this. And it's basically Peter who was Simon, but he became Peter. Peter recanting what he saw when, when Christ transfigured in front of him. He was one of three apostles who actually witnessed the transfiguration of Christ before he was, you know, put on the cross. Peter didn't say anything about it until after uh, the ascension of Christ when he was spreading the gospel. But he was one of few witnesses and, you know, Peter, he, he, I think automatically wanted to do something special and, you know, basically have a tabernacle, like a huge feast to kind of, you know, but, but basically he was, he was one of those people like me, like just does before he thinks and kind of just, you know, in a moment where you need to be still and silent talks and, and wants to do something cause he's excited probably. And, you know, God basically said, no, I'm, this is, this is enough. You know, like I am very pleased. I think I'm getting this right. (laughs) I think this is what I learned. And, but, but even God never used the word pride. Um, Pride is a sin. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, this month has been converted into a celebration of pride. I heard from a friend that it used to be um, a recognition of male mental health, which I find very interesting since actively right now there's such a, a huge vilification of men in our culture. This, this, campaign to attack anything that might be deemed masculine or like worse, toxically masculine. I even talked about it with a friend of mine, uh, recently I went on a diatribe with her. I felt kind of bad because she just showed me a really cute video and it was all about how 
David Bowie convinced his his musicians that he worked with to wear makeup and tight clothing as as was his image what he was trying to showcase and they were very hesitant about it and um he basically said no no it'll be all right you'll look great it'll be awesome trust me and so they do of course because they they work for david bowie and he said that after the show all these men in the band were wonderfully swarmed by all these women and it was after that that they were like oh man pass the eyeliner like like this is great and it i mean to use a term it kind of triggered me because as an artist i i kind of i kind of understand this from a place that is upsetting it was a very cute video and it was illustrating something that I think my friend wasn't trying wasn't trying to get all into. I think that she was just trying to remark upon, upon like, you know, uh, the reasons why men shouldn't be so uptight about certain things or, you know, like to have fun and expression and all this stuff and what benefits can come from that. And, you know, just highlighting David Bowie, because David Bowie was a, you know, it was, a, he was a cool character, and, and uh, he, he put out some great music. But he was an artist, and, and it struck me as another artist in a, in a sinister way, because my automatic thought about it was, you know, I... There is nothing that I find slimier in this world than a feminist man. And I mean that, folks. Like, I... Anybody who's listening to this, like, any guy that's, like, talking the, like, feminist credo and whatnot, I just... I just think they're infiltrators. I find them snaky. And that's kind of what I found with this thing with Bowie is that, you know, men that emulate women or who wear women's clothing and who kind of, I think, short wire our brains to basically make themselves less threatening are so gross to me because they still have the same ends. And that's basically what Bowie talked about was that these men weren't cool with just wearing these clothes right off. But once they found out that they could get all this women appeal from it, then they were all about it because their ends are being rock stars and being, you know, attractive to women and doing what, what will lull, lull women into a space of where they're, they're the attractive ones. They're the ones with the power. They're the ones that, that, you know, have something that make them an appeal to the same end as any other man. It's to get in our pants. And I find that gross. I'm sorry, but I, I do. I find it really gross. I would, I would rather personally, and this is what I told my friend, I would rather have the most toxically masculine man. And I think I might have him Enrico in some ways. 
he's great. Uh, and that's what I'm getting at is that, you know, in my mind, uh, the feminist man, all they got is their freaking words and their tight pants and their eyeliner. And, and that's about it. And they, they get boring and dull and useless very quickly. And as somebody having experienced this in my life, I just end up having to pull all the weight for that. And I don't want it. I don't like it, you know, because I don't, I don't need somebody telling me that I'm great all the time. I don't need somebody telling me how powerful I am. If you really believe that I'm that powerful, what the hell do I need you for? Right? Like, what, what are you bringing to the table here? If I'm awesome and I'm everything, what are you bringing? What are you bringing? So I like having a compliment. I like if I'm going to be, you know, the woman in, in the relationship, I want a man, you know, and, and it's not that men don't have feelings or they don't have expressions of those feelings. It's just that the way that they go about their life is different. And the way that they, they approach the world is different. They're, they're designed with much different ends to, to the way that they, they come at this life and the way they come to a relationship. And I find that, you know, with somebody like Rico, for example, he fills the gaps in what I can't do for myself, or at the very least, I really want help with. Because it either doesn't come to me naturally or it's harder for me or I just can't, man, because I'm, I'm not strong enough or I'm not whatever enough or I, I get tired. You know, I, I can't carry it all by myself. And so I would much rather have uh, a man that, you know, is a little thick, isn't as great with his words, but is a guy of action, is a guy who will show up. And a guy who, you know, doesn't have to constantly espouse what he does or doesn't do, you know, who just simply wants to serve. And I think from what I've seen in most men, that's, that's really what they're after is just appreciation for, for the things that they've done. And there is a lot that they've done. And it's kind of upsetting to me that this month that contains, you know, not only Father's Day, which I'll admit last week I didn't mention at all on the podcast. I even haven't gotten my dad his, his Father's Day gifts. Um, I'm hoping it can wait and nothing happens to him. God God bless this and, you know, please help help that along and make sure that I can give him his gifts. But... You know, I didn't even do that. I saw him all Father's Day, and I, I celebrated most of the day with him. Um, but because my family uh, extended, my brother was going through some medical issues, we really didn't get a chance to celebrate Father's Day this this year on the day or even around the day. We've had to suspend things until everybody can be healthy. But on top of it, this this month that was dedicated to male mental health, at least that I was told by a friend, has been consumed by a deadly sin of pride. And people are 
Okay, quick, quick interruption here for a second. I wanted to bring some at least qualified information to you guys, uh, so much as what you can find on the internet. So I wanted some quick definitions of things that I could read out to you guys uh, just for clarity and for getting this, I was advised to kind of go back in time a little bit for definitions and dictionaries. I, th I think that they're more thorough and they give a wider, wider look at each individual word. And I also think that it was a time frame in our history where people were more uh, connected to their understanding of words and agreeable about these definitions. So the first one that I wanted to clarify for us real quick before I moved on to pride was edification because I use that word and for anybody who doesn't know, clearly I didn't know what I was saying when I was saying, but I think I, th I think it, I think I used it correctly. What it, what edification is, is a noun and, uh, Edify, I think, is, you know, actionary, uh, is, is something like that, more, more verb kind of thing. Um, so what it means is a building up in a moral and religious sense, instruction, improvement, and progress of the mind, in knowledge, in morals, or in faith and holiness. Uh, to give an example, he, he that uh, prophesies speaketh to men to edification. Uh, it, it also means instruction, improvement of the mind, and any uh, specifics or species of useful knowledge. I think I said that right. And then let's go to pride because I think that that's, that's the big one that I'm, I'm about to try to talk about here. But here, here is a definition of pride that I think everybody should maybe digest before we continue to talk about it and before we continue to celebrate it so much. Uh, pride is a noun. It means inordinate, inordinate self-esteem, an unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishment, rank, or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. So like how, how the hell could that ever be attached to love, right? Like loving everyone. I mean, it, it literally, by the end of that definition talks about distance, reserve, and often contempt of others. Marital pride looks down on industry. Pride goeth before destruction. That's Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride that defines vanity sups on contempt. All pride is abject and mean. Those that rock, walk in pride, he is able to debase. That's Daniel four thirty seven. So just to give you guys like a little touchstone about the definition and then different ways that pride is used contextually throughout history and what it leads to. It's not a good thing, folks. It's not. It's not. Now we can continue. Just across the United States, 
really, really, really indulging this. And I can't get down, man, because what I'm learning is, is that none of it is me. I don't have any right to have pride in anything that I am today or anything that I've done. It wasn't me. It, it, it was a gift. It was a gift from a bigger source. It was something that was given to me. And now I'm in this very weird space of like, how do I move forward knowing what I know, still glorifying God, and still affecting people from a platform and a space that I know, I know that I can get their ears, their time and attention. And so I guess that's the conflict right now with tattooing is that I know that I love it. I know that I love my clients because I, I sometimes within my consultations kind of try to talk people out of certain things. Like I really try to go over the idea with such a fine tooth comb so as to really, really, really let people know you know, what's involved in this. I want to make them comfortable because I think there is a lot of anxiety about getting a tattoo, but at the same time with the idea, you know, I, I, I really want it to be awesome. I want it something that they can wear and go back out into the world and feel a sense of, you know, confidence about, you know, a betterment because that, that's what I've heard from a lot of people after I've given them a tattoo. They're, they're kind of like, you know, I don't, this is, this feels more like me now. Like I feel more like who I am now than I did before the tattoo. And, you know, I think that comes from, if I am to assimilate with it, because I, I have tattoos and, you know, I, I, I think I get that is that, you know, we, we don't get to choose a lot of things in this life, or at least we think we don't. And I think sometimes there's this view that the world is out to attack us in some ways or make us feel a certain way. And there's been pain that we've experienced that makes us want to you know, like fortify. I, I talked about it today at church where I said, you know, cause everybody like, and I'm sorry if this is rambly, but hopefully this will all wrap up in some way. That's nice. I've actually had to record this. This is my fourth time jumping into this recording FYI. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that this time I can deliver it well. I was talking about it at church because the guys at church were talking about this big burly dude that had all these tattoos and they thought that this guy was going to like instigate a fight or a confrontation or at least engage in one. And he wasn't, he just like walked away. And I said, well, I don't understand why people think that, but I guess I get it. And my, my, my friend at church, she's like, well, you know, you've got to be kind of tough to let somebody keep hurting you like that. And I was like, not really. I was like, I, I kind of see tattooing as, um, you know, prettier cutting, you know, for anybody that has been a cutter, 
a lot of a lot of the people that I've known have actually covered up their their cut scars with tattoos so that they can heal, stop hurting themselves, but also to put something that's beautiful in the place of the scars to remind themselves to not keep hurting themselves. But to also, I think, in some way, experience a pain that is healing and forward moving. Um, But it, it comes from a place of, I think, feeling a lack of power in this world and a lot of pain and rage and frustration and you know, a place of insecurity and, you know, it's either you take it out on other people or you take it out on yourself. You know, for a long time, I took it out just on art. You know, I, I never, I never had my art go towards hurting people. I mean, it is what it is. I I think that, you know, there's definitely pain, you know, people always ask, does it hurt? But, but people who get tattooed, does it hurt is not, it's not really a, it's not really a thing that'll talk them out of getting tattoos. And as I was getting at, I was like, you know, the whole, this tough guy thing or tough lady thing that you get from tattooing is a false flag. Because basically what we're doing is emulating creatures in the, in the world that put off a lot of signals that basically say, beware don't come near me. And, and they, they do the work of poisonous creatures. And they say, like, don't come here. You might get bit and it might, it might be venomous. So don't mess here. But it doesn't mean that we're necessarily tough. It just means that we are putting out a signal that says, like, you know, uh, I, I'm, I might be more than what you think. I might be precarious for you to come too close to doesn't necessarily mean that we're actually tough. A lot of the times it just means that we're actually, you know, a lot of us are just coping. And that's what I told my friend actually about David Bowie. I said, you know, it's, it's, it's not a wise plan to follow artists. I know people find us very evocative and we are, that's, that's the whole thing. You know, but when you walk an artistic path, I think if you do it from the motivations that I do it from, it's a coping mechanism. Like, that was my first, you know, comfort zone. That's what I came to to atone. And I think that that's what happens with tattooing with people is that there is an atonement quality that they're seeking. That I think I've always, I've always tried to keep a part of the experience, but it's something that you got to be careful with because it's a heavy influence. And I think that you can indulge a lot of things that you really shouldn't indulge. Um, one of the things that I try to make a point of is being very cautious around grief, grieving. That was one of the first things that halted me about 
COVID was that I feel like everybody had something die in their life. If not ideology or a person, I mean, that's sad, but, or just a time in their life, like something died for everybody. And there was such a huge swarm to tattooing afterwards. And that was when my heels just like parked me and dug in. I was like, no, I, you can't, you can't do this right now. This is, you've been through something. Everybody's been through something, but getting back, like tattooing is, I think it's a, a place where people come to process their lives, what they've been through and, and it's heady enough to wear. And as a person who does it for people, you really, I think, have to be sure that you know why they're doing it, can help them through that and make certain that what they're trying to communicate, because it is a communication tool, it's a brand. I mean, it's branding. It's personal branding at its, at its utmost. Make sure that what they're communicating is what they want to communicate. And that when they leave your, your atmosphere, that they feel better than they did before. And I'm struggling right now because I'm, I'm struggling not to say that they're proud because again, I don't, I don't want pride. I don't want a sense of pride. I want there to be an atonement like a, a, a spiritual uplifting from now on. And I, I think I'm doing it. I think I'm doing it with the people that I'm working with. But, you know, it's really hard because I'm so new in this path and I want to make sure that I continue to uplift people because I think that that's how you glorify God. I think that that's what God is doing with me is moving me to my own betterment. I know his plan for me is better than any plan I've ever crafted for myself. And, um, you know, I, th I think that that's the mission is that whatever you do and whatever you, you know, offer in this world, that it's pleasing in the eyes of God, that when you meet God and you come to account for the gifts that you've been given and how you use them, that God will be well pleased. That you'll have brought more people to a higher ideal. And I've always striven for this myself, but also tried to get other people. I mean, you can only do so much from one, one end. I'm, I'm not, I'm a flawed human. You know, there's no amount of what I can do that's going to be perfect. But I, I, I'm in this weird phase right now where I have to be very, I have to be really, really alert and attentive because we're in a phase of society where people are celebrating pride. And they're shutting down streets. They're 
waving their naked butts in front of children and saying that it's fine. It's just such shamelessness. And, you know, I, I felt this way before COVID. Like, I was talking with my former apprentice. She didn't like what I was saying, but I I was basically commenting on, you know, the state of uh, certain certain gay people that I was noting. And, you know, I, I have a, a lineage of, of people in my life that I've experienced who are homosexual and, you know, I've always loved them. There's no lack of love, of course, but I've seen generations of it. And so the old school generation that I've been exposed to is my aunt and you know, her wants was just to find love, connection, community. You know, like the old OG, like homosexuals, they, I, I, I don't think they ever like overly wanted to celebrate their sexuality. I just don't think they wanted to have their lives taken for it. And I, I, I don't think that they wanted to have um, you know, uh, uh, I don't think they wanted to be removed from humanity in such a way that they didn't have justice under the law. And that was happening in my aunt's lifetime. You know, I don't know if she'll be happy that I say this, but, you know, when she came out to my grandmother, my grandmother said to her that she'd rather she were dead than be gay. And that went from that to now where parents are basically, I think, almost goading their kids to like confess their sexuality right away in this urgency to be like, no matter what, I'll love you. No matter what, you know, you can be whatever you want, baby, and it's fine. And it's shifted and it it's gotten really, in my mind, perverse because, you know, at the time that I was talking about this with my apprentice, I said, I just think that it's, it's gone off the rails, man. Like the, the, the shamelessness, the in your face, you know, I, I, I don't appreciate it. And then she, she actually brought up pride parades. And I said, well, it's funny that you say that, but I've never gone to one and I wouldn't go to one. And in general, I don't really like parades. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I'm not a big parade person. I don't. I think that it, like, it it just gums up the works, man. Like, you know, celebrate. But, like, unless unless everybody is stopping for the same thing, you know, it's just like a national shutdown where we all observe the same thing. I don't like a parade, man. I got places to go, things to do. I'm not trying to to stop my life that I'm very much so enjoy to have to either forcefully be, be celebrating amongst people or have to maneuver my life around somebody else's celebration. Like there's no parking. I, I mean, I guess you'd have to have lived in a place where they regularly have parades, which I did. Baltimore City, man, they 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 had this thing called First Thursday, which 
was great in some ways. Um, it was best when I didn't have a car because I, I would just walk there or bike there. But when I had a car, man, that was hell because you just couldn't park next to your own house. Like everything, everything was geared around this one activity that would just draw people in and it became so horrendous to like live in a place and just live. And, you know, you kind of get this awful attitude towards it. Um, but, you know, my whole point was just like, I, I think the, the older generations of gay people, you know, this is not, this is not what they were after, man. Like, I, I think they just wanted to live and, you know, have a place in society uh, that really didn't see them for their sexuality and honestly that just you know wasn't wasn't gonna go one way or the other about their their sexuality but certainly wasn't going to condemn them and wasn't going to provide a landscape where they got less justice you know I think that's really what they were after and now it's just gone so far over and you know I I, it's sad to me. It's, it's very sad to me that, that that's, that's the way things have gone because, you know, it's like anything. It's like what I said, you know, I, I, I want to bring people to their better selves. I want to influence that in everybody. And when I see an atmosphere where people are stopping their lives and, and in a very like guess the word would be demonstrative way like kind of pushing their their views and other people's faces shutting down things just to push their agendas or their their feelings or their sexuality or whatever their expression on somebody else and celebrate that for a month and that's where we're at in this country and you know, people will be like, oh, you don't have to celebrate pride. Oh, really? Okay. Well, let's look at that because what are big businesses and our government into right now? You know, what are they, what are they championing? You know, because I, I think that it's very odd if it's going to be this myriad of different celebrations that every American can kind of get into that you don't have to celebrate pride. That's not real. You can have your own celebration. If you, Amy, want to celebrate, you know, men's health, mental health, then that's uh, what you, you should do that. You should celebrate that. We're going to be over here. So and that's all well and good, except for now companies are jumping onto this, uh, marketing campaigns, our government is endorsing it and really making it a part of a one-sided political kind of sphere. And it's, I mean, people, I, I, I just, in this atmosphere, marking somebody permanently has been very tricky for me because even with a, a thorough consultation and even with, you know, 
I think a really good spidey sense that I have about people. It's hard because I don't, I don't know, I don't know my clients like that. Um, the ones that I've been working on for the past four years I do because I haven't taken on hardly any new clients. It's been a very, very rare occurrence that I've taken on a new client. And that troubles me because I have so many people waiting. So many people that I know are doing exactly what I've asked them to do. They've, they've gone through all the right channels. They filled out my contact form. They've been waiting and waiting and waiting for my artwork. And I'm just keeping them waiting. And it's because I, I just, in this environment, I feel like it's so, so precarious to mark somebody like that. Because I don't know where they're coming from. I mean, we have this atmosphere right now that's all about this. And, you know, there's, there's things going on where I really see a move to challenge the age of consent. Which, right now, folks, right now in Europe, that's happening. That's happening. There are, there are leaders in Europe right now that are trying to drop the age of consent all the way down to 13 this this move to basically I, I would say undo a lot of the work that we have done to protect children to protect innocence is being completely unraveled and dismantled and it's opening the gates for some serious serious predators to come in and it's shocking it's shocking and i i i know in my heart of hearts that any any country any nation that does not protect its most innocent is doomed that's a doomed society if you cannot if you can't look after the kids that are that are to follow you and provide a life for them that is better than what you had or at the very least aim for that i just i i i have to pause because you know all these things are happening and the age of consent thing is huge for a tattoo artist because you know, yes, I have I have the right to refuse business, at least right now. But as the politics, the laws, everything are shifting, everything's in constant fluctuation right now. It's super weird and super crazy. And, you know, I don't, it puts the burden such, so much so on, I think everybody but the people that it should put the burden on which is disturbing. There's like this huge inversion that I see and it's, it's crazy. I mentioned it last week, this inversion of like ethics and morality. And, you know, in that space, you know, I was communicating it today at church, you know, art, art and, and experiencing art is great because I do feel like it's the best part of the artists you know it's our place to go to to work out whatever nonsense or trouble or conflict is in our head 
and deliver this object or statement that is able to stand and be considered. And, and that's our way of atoning ourselves, diffusing a lot of crap within us, and then meeting the world in a way that we, we can actually meet the world and communicate to the world. And it's nonviolent because like I was saying, you know, with tattooing, I, I think of it as like cutters coming to it because it's a way, it's a way to atone to kind of take out all the aggression that you otherwise would take on your, out on yourself, but fuel it through now a, a very step-by-step reconnection with first an artist, artwork, and then you can meet society again for more of a place of, I think, feeling comfort and feeling ownership and feeling like you have some sense of control. Whereas before you felt out of control and that's, I think that's why the self-destruction happened. And with art, art itself, you know, it's, it's our way of taking all of those emotions and putting it up for people to see and consider. Whereas if, if we didn't have art, what monsters we'd be, what, what, unbelievable violent monsters we'd be and I I know I mean if you look at like for example Rob Zombie like what what would that guy be if he didn't have music and film and all these different crazy freaking gory horror-ridden outlets that he puts his craft to like what what would that guy be if he didn't have that you know, and so getting back to the David Bowie thing, you know, Bowie was fueled by expression, his, his artistic expression. That's what he was fueled by. That was his gift. That's what he brought to the world and was revered for. But the people who played with him, they adopted this expression, not in the way that Bowie used it. They used it to their own ends. And see, I see a lot of that happening now. I see a lot of that within tattooing specifically. Like, what is your motivation here? You know, what, what are you trying to do? Like, what, what, is, what is this aiming at? And I gotta be really careful because I don't wanna indulge people in pride. That's not what I wanna do. I want the art and the experience to uplift them. And I want this mark that we make to be a reminder of a very awesome moment in their life where something shifted, something changed, and it made things better. And they may not be able to totally and completely describe it. And they might even just like put it on me, be like, she's awesome, she's like the best, like, She's ruined me for any other tattoo artist, but, but that wouldn't be appropriate because it's not me. I don't think it's ever been me. It's God. God is working through me and I need to make it keep working through me. I need him to keep working through me. It, him, you know, 
God's the best way to say it, in my opinion, because God is God. I, I, you know, there's speculation about it, but I think it's easier if I just say God. But, um, yeah, I, the thing that I told my, my friend at church, Neil, and he was really paying attention. I said, you know, it's more than the art. I was getting to this earlier when I was talking, and I, I think I rambled onto something else, but it's what we talk about in that space. It's what we share with each other, me and my client. I think we really do a lot of healing. He said, would you think it's very akin to a therapy session? I said, absolutely. At least in, at least in my space, it is. In my tattoo studio, it is. Because I, I kind of leave a room for people to open up. I try not to be judgmental. Um, you know, I think we all have judgment. We all have our particularities and we all have our views. But I really try to, when I'm with clients, hang my judgments. And it's more so if I, if I find... If I find conflict with what somebody's saying, I just try to offer up perspective outside of that. And a lot of times people have never even considered the things that I, I talk about. And then it sends us off into this really neat conversation. And what I've found with most of my clients is when that's the case and when they experience that, it's, they've, said, they've said it to me. They're like, it's really distracting. You know, like I don't feel the pain when that happens because I'm distracted and, you know, I, I've never had a tattoo artist engage me so much and talk with me so much. And sometimes I talk at people, you know, I just talk at them, but you know, I have a podcast. So what a lot of my clients say, it's like listening to a podcast, you know, like it's really cool. And for the people who have social anxiety or who never know what to say, they say, you know, that's great because I never know what to say. So I just listen to you the whole time. And it's really awesome because I don't, I don't get an opportunity to focus on the pain. I have a few clients that, that can't listen to me because they have sensory overload. In those times, I think it's best when they bring their own listening materials and we, you know, they kind of share that with me. So that's become something that I, I think I know now to express to people, you know, if, if their particular, if their particular vibe is that, you know, when it gets really painful, that they just want to go in and wall into their own, their own music or their own, you know, um, uh, listening, whatever, you know, a book on tape, podcast, you know, that's fine. Some people, you know, they do better with that. And, um, or if they just want to be quiet, you know, like there's some people who just like anything, even just a bright light will kind of fry their sensory perception and make it really difficult. So I noticed that with my former boss and um, Natalie, Natalie uh, S uh, S Saki, sorry, Natalie, <laughs> she and him would dim the lights down in the rooms because for the majority of sake, they did mostly black and gray work and I think that worked for a lot of their clients because their client was able to kind of go into this like meditative state with the pain 
where they were kind of able to just get a rhythm to the pain and it because there was no other kind of sensorial things or or asking of their attention it really allowed them to relax into it and just feel one thing for the moment i have i've actually experienced that a couple times with tattoos and i I think it's nice um one thing that i have had happen to me once that was really cool was that my uh, boyfriend rico he rubbed i think he rubbed my hands or something like that when i was getting my side tattoo um, the only thing that you got to make sure of is that your partner, whoever's rubbing you, doesn't jostle you and make it hard on the tattoo artist. But I remember him rubbing my hand at one point and the distraction of him rubbing another part of my body didn't allow me to focus on something else uh, that was happening to you, which is the tattoo. So I, I guess altogether, what what has been happening with me recently is that I'm, I'm not working. I don't have a tattoo for most of next week. I just have a session at the end of the week. I'm going to be using this time to explore other art spaces, carving wood for sure, but also, um, I think working on the podcast more, getting more and more into my faith um, my friend Neil gave me a really great idea. He said, you know, since since you're kind of conflicted right now, maybe maybe you could do a research project to look into tattooing throughout history and throughout cultures and, and really try to dig up all the literature and all the experiences of people throughout history that have that have gotten tattooed and why they've gotten tattooed, what the motivations were and how that relates to them as they move throughout life and then spiritually or communally. Um, And I thought that was a great suggestion. I think that it will definitely unlock some things for me. But at the end of the day, what I told him was is that I really need to feel it. Like, I really, really, really now need to feel it. I need to feel connected to a person. I have to feel like I can help this person in some way or aid them, I guess, in their, in their wants for this mark and for this experience and that I'm the best person for it. And... I, I'm really not, nor have I ever been, really a person that was big about the money. I have to make money. You know, I have a lot of future wants and goals that have nothing to do with tattooing, really. They have to do with the kind of way I want to live eventually. I'd like to have land, and both Rico and I would like that. I want that for both Rico and I, because... I think that he would be a lot happier with some more land uh, to to manage and to work and a reconnection with, with that. And, um, you know, so I have some things that I have to, to work towards and to save for, but I, it has to all 
it has to all come together right i'm i'm not willing to walk forward anymore unless i know that what i can do is going to benefit and if i don't feel like it's going to benefit i i can't like i can't i don't want to anymore and it really doesn't matter how much somebody wants to pay me it really doesn't matter any of it really I I just I just want to keep growing closer and closer and closer with God I want to keep glorifying God and I know that that will lead me to my betterment and I also know that it'll lead everybody else to theirs so I want to I guess wrap this up by reading to you guys the the phrase in the Bible from 2 Peter. Uh, let me find it real quick. As I said before, it's 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 17 is the uh, is the phrase and I'm going to read it. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and again this is Peter one of the Apostles who saw Christ transfigured his actual deity self like they he said that it, like he became like this blinding white light he was so white that he had never seen any kind of white light like that ever and it was so awesome and such a spectacular scene that, you know, normally when Christ was walking around, he looked like you and me, he looked normal, but he took, he took his apostles up and I forget what, what mountain, um, let me see here. I don't know exactly when the transfiguration happened, but it was before the crucifixion and it wasn't talked about by Peter until after the crucifixion and after the actual ascension, as I said before. I think the thing to note here is that when your time is done, and I think this is the calling of all of our hearts, honestly, all of our hearts, I think we want to know that we did a good job. I think we want to know that we did it well and that we were pleasing because all of the things that I think brought me to pride was a sense of feeling hurt, feeling frustrated, feeling upset with this world. And it, it made me cut people out. It made me become fiercely independent, fiercely untrusting, fiercely reliant in me and me alone and only me. And the thing that I saw was that I couldn't get anything else that I wanted. Like there was a, there was a cap on every level of what I wanted because everything that was awesome and great and powerful in this world took collaboration. It took, it took the uniting of 
multiple souls to a common end. Like I said, I, I really, really, really want to do cool things with cool people. I really want community. I really want love. I really want purpose. And I, if I'm being honest, I really don't want to give up my art. But I want my art to serve. I want it to be the thing that helps uplift people from now on. The last thing I ever want now is for my art to send people down a path that I, I know is flawed or faulty. And I don't think I would be a, a good practitioner of, of a craft and of a profession if I were to do that. That's dishonorable. That's, that's not being a good servant. And that's what, that's what it's all about, guys. Like when you, when you decide to put your faith in God, it's about serving, serving God willingly. It's not tyrannical because we have choice. Um, I was engaging with you know, I'll tell you guys this one last thing, I guess. Uh, I, I try to catch Jason Stapleton's tweets every morning. And one of the things that he was talking about was, um, oh, what was it? But essentially it got me on the thought of like everything I do now, I do because I want to glorify God. And I can't even own it for myself because it's all God. And I'm just going to lean into that, you know, like, cause I, I really know that, that God has the best plan for me. You know, I don't have the best plan for me. I've tried my plan and my plan always, like I said, had a cap off at a certain point. This was, this was more brief on Twitter, by the way, cause it has to be, I, I have to contain it within, I think 200 and some characters. But then Jason said, yeah, you know, like, do you manage your fate or does God manage your fate? And I said, well, here's the thing is that I think God has the best plan for me. What I get is to choose to listen to God or to deny God. But I'm going to listen. And I'm going to follow. So I think there's still a choice. You can choose to follow a path that is the best for you. Laid out by your creator who only wants the best for you. Because it's like a parent. It's like a parent with a new baby who wants nothing bad to happen to that child that really just wants the best. And that's how I look at God. He's a father that only wants the greatest things for me and gives me freedom of choice, lets me choose whatever path I want. But when I choose to not listen 
I cannot be angry at what I get because what I have decided to default to is my choice, my quote unquote path, whatever the hell it is, my pride. And yeah, I guess I could stand behind what I've done and think that it's mine, but that's a that's always been a pedestal that I don't like being on because I feel like what they always say, pride before the fall. And that's a really, really long way down. And I want to go up, folks. That's all I want. That's all I want for me. That's all I want for all of you. So I guess as I wrap up this last week of June, that's the message. Be mindful of what you do in this world because it does matter. Look up, look out, challenge your perspectives. And if you can, monitor the pride because it's, it's bound to have a fall. And I don't know about you guys, but gravity has never been a good friend of mine. <laughs> With that, listeners, I, I, I don't have any much more to say. We've gone on now for almost an hour and a half. I feel like this is a good time to wrap it up for you guys. Um, thank you. If you made it all the way to the end of this podcast, I am super grateful for you. This has been an, another Amy rambled diary entry that, yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember half of what I said. Like I said, it's the four, fourth time I've recorded this. I finally got to the the time, the regular time consistency that I usually talk or ramble for, and I feel like this is a this is a good place to end. But I want you all to know that I really, really appreciate you. I appreciate your hours trying to follow my crazy brain throughout all of this. I'm hoping that. It, I'm hoping that it made some semblance of sense. If not, it, it was on my heart, and that's that's the best that I could do, I guess, right now. Maybe it'll get clearer as time goes on. Okay, one last interruption here, and one last thing that I have to share before I do actually, actually, actually get off the horn here with you guys and let you on to the rest of your weeks. But I found this really cool... Just yesterday, as I was having all this go over and wash over my mind, I forgot about this, but five years ago, to that day, June 25th, I wrote this on Facebook, and this was in reflection, and if you guys have been following the podcast for any any long period of time, then you've heard about my past, my history, and some of the things that I've experienced, and some of the reasons why... I think and I, I move and I act the way I do. I know it's crazy, but, um, you know, I think that this post that I wrote about will give you guys some really cool insight. It, it meant something to me. And so that's why I want to share it with all of you, because this this post really came from the heart and it was reflective of something that was another shift in my life, another fall from what I think I, f- I felt and I was doing. And it was a- another shakeup of my life that happened 
that was really impactful. And I thought about it on June 25th, five years ago. And this is what I wrote. The amount of grace I've received in my life is astounding. Whether you call them mentors or as I call them angels, I've had so many. I still get them in my experiences today. There is one angel I had in my life that I probably will never see again. She is also someone who many would have hesitated to call an angel. Most would have deemed her crazy, and many did. She made me out to be crazy too. It's funny because by all accounts, I seem to be on the right path when Davida, Robin, that was her name that she was born with, but Davida is what she went by, came into my life. I had all of what a young woman could have wanted, loving parents, education, a home that I really, I had, I had recently purchased, a boyfriend, yet I felt empty inside. Davida was a homeless woman who came into my life for a very brief time. She held a mirror up to me that reflected a blur because I, quote unquote, wasn't there. She showed me that nothing about who I was was authentic to me, save my heart that craved truth. Davida set in motion a series of events that were rough. It isn't easy to fall and to realize that all that we have built our lives to be isn't working. I remember confronting my death at that period in my life. I had no control over where my life would go, literally. My fate was in the hands of people who saw a crazy person. I remember thinking, please, if this is to be my life, if I am to lose my freedom and be forced to go backwards, please let me die here and now. I'm okay to die here. I don't want to die, but I can't suffer a life like that. Please, please help me. This all happened about 16 years ago. What's also funny is that I have all the things that I was on track for before Davida came into my life. However, now I really have all the things I want. Now, if I were to meet my angel again and she held that same mirror up to me, I would finally see my face. I love you, Davida. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for wrecking all my illusions and ripping apart all I knew. It sucked for a very long time. However, I know now why it all had to be. You are truly worthy of your name. If any who read this want to know the whole story, I'll happily tell you over a tattoo or a good meal. Many here know the story. My parents, for sure, who deserve a special thanks for being my other forces of grace in this episode in my life. In fact, this hits all who knew me in some way. I just want you all to know that I love and cherish you. Thank you for loving me, even when I didn't love myself. So I just wanted to offer that to you guys because this will happen in your life many times. This I wrote five years ago. This was, I think, the next setup for the next fall. And who knows what's ahead, but I'm following. And when I was praying, when I was praying to God, please, God, please, somebody help me. End me now. If this has to be my life moving forward, if I am denied my freedom, my, my wants, my cravings for for everything that I hold dear, for everything that I feel matters, just end me. End me. And I didn't get ended. I got uplifted. 
and I was brought to a higher version of myself. And as you all well know, there was another fall, but I'm still living. I'm still here. And I've already asked God to end me if I'm not meant to be here. So that should tell all of us something. I'm going to keep trying, folks. So I'll get back to the wrap up of this podcast now. Finally. I hope you all have a great rest of your June. I hope that the week is awesome ahead. I I really hope that if if something's not going in, right in your life that there's an answer or a quickening to it that leads to resolve. I hope what I hope for myself is that you know, whatever muck you might be in, that it gets easier as we move forward and that we're just all able to do this day by day. But beyond anything, I want you guys to know you're not alone. I'm just as flawed and searching as all of you. And uh, I love you. I love all of you. And I hope we can all rise together so that we can do some really, really cool things together. Have a blessed week, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.